Prepare to be captivated by the business story of the week, hosted by me, Shaheen Shan. Join us on a journey through the twists and turns of entrepreneurial triumphs and setbacks. Immerse yourself in the narrative and witness the magic that turns dreams into reality. This is Business Story of the Week. And we are back once again. Welcome back to Business Story of the Week. I am your co-host, Joshua, where we navigate the world of business, entrepreneurship, and innovation. We Every day, we uncover stories of perseverance, struggle, success, and you know how it is. Today, we have one of the biggest and leading minds and figures in the innovation sector, precisely in the web three world i'm very interested in this and you guys you know audiences know that we've had these topics and today we are going to interview our guest today is a titan of the industry sunny abdul jabbar is the visionary founder and ceo of vestec he stands at the forefront of emerging technologies specializing in ai and blockchain to redefine the tech landscape. With over two decades of industry experience, Sunny's influence extends beyond leadership as he engages in critical discussions in integrating ethics and compassion within AI. Through his best-selling book titled Makers, he is a luminary in the tech world. Sunny's insight on humanizing AI and leveraging Web3 technologies are shaping the future where innovation can coexist with empathy. I really want to dial in on that. I love that concept. His work aims to guide technology towards enhancing societal and business model, making him a pivotal figure in imagining the future of work and business and the economy in a Web3 driven world. Sunny, I am very excited for this. Thank you so much for your time in here. How are you? I'm doing wonderful, Joshua. Thank you for that warm welcome. So happy Sani, to be here. Fantastic. Sani, I, I want to get into this real quick. Um, get right into the nitty-gritty of this. And I'm very, very interested when it comes to, you know, we're really kind of talking about the future right now, right? And we, we, it feels like it's not about like what's going to happen in the near future. We're actually having discussions revolving because it feels like we're in the future now. And that is especially because when it comes to the rise of AI. And my question is like now, the ethical AI advocacy, where did it come from? Where did it begin, right? Uh, can you share a moment or an experience throughout your extensive career where that propelled your focus towards integrating the ethical implications of AI and the necessity of integrating this into a humanizing way, you know, that benefits us. Joshua, that's a that's a deep and big question. I'm gonna have to go I, way I told you back. I get into this. Please, please, please. I'm gonna have to go way back to the moment of Terminator. Okay. So when the movie Terminator came out, um it a terminator and movies like that from hollywood mm -hmm. that talks about mm -hmm. this doomsday scenario where ai yeah. and robots are going to take mm -hmm. over the world mm -hmm. that has been shaping the 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 perception uh, in the public about mm -hmm. machine, about ai and robots so what happens whenever you bring up ai the very first response that you get from 
your audience is Terminator. Robots are exactly. Gonna, precisely, right? Yeah. Robots are going to take over the world. So I started thinking, is there a way to for us to imagine a future where where robots aren't the enemy, where AI is right. not the enemy? Right. So I started mm -hmm. asking this question uh, to people in different uh, areas of expertise, from sociology to politics to religion mm -hmm. to science, technology, you name mm -hmm. it. And the mm -hmm. question was, what is it that we could we can do to today to avoid that doomsday scenario twenty years from today? Right. And the, where the idea of 20 years came from is um, we look at technology evolution. And at that point, this is pre-COVID. This is seven, yeah. 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. So at that point, the so we were looking at the evolution of technology and the evolution of microchips and evolution of processing power. And based yes. on that, the forecast was it would take about 20 years for us to get to a point where we can have Terminator-like uh, or, or a version of that, early version or of that robot. Precisely. So hence, mm -hmm. 20 years. Mm -hmm. So what do we do today to avoid a doomsday scenario 20 years mm -hmm. from today? What do we do today mm -hmm. to prevent robots from doing crazy stuff 20 years from today? Yeah. And I kept asking this question. One of the gentlemen, uh, a scholar in the um, sociology field, his, he he asked me a question in response. He said, if you don't want your kids to do stupid things 20 years from today, what would you do today? Teach them a lesson now. So I, yeah, exactly. So I said, oh, well, we teach them human values today. Value of kindness, compassion, empathy, um, so that, you know, they don't turn into tyrants and, 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 you know, really bad characters 20 years from today. He said, exactly. That's the answer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So... That's kind of where the thought came from. Mm -hmm. And the analogy of children, it really works because uh, anyone in the AI field knows that we, quote unquote, train AI. Mm -hmm. And the way we train AI is essentially mm -hmm. very similar to how we train children. How do we uh, raise children? So how do you raise children? How do you teach them good values? You teach them good values by exposing them to good values, by practicing mm -hmm. good values in front of them, mm -hmm. by putting them in situations where they will interact with other people of good values. And that's how they learn good values. If you put them mm -hmm. in situations where they're going to learn bad values, they're going to learn bad values. Precisely. So robots are uh, AI or robots are the same way. Um, you teach AI by exposing it to lots of data. Yes. And, and if you're feeding it good data, it's going to mm -hmm. learn good things. If you're feeding it dirty data, it's going to learn dirty stuff. Of course. Example that often comes up in these kind of conversations, there was a, a Microsoft product that they created, test product, um, mm -hmm. some years ago. It was a piece of AI that was created in the uh, persona of a young girl, about 12, 14 years old girl, who is mm -hmm. supposed to be the most kind, loving, compassionate person, the best mm -hmm. of humanity that, uh, mm -hmm. that you can think of. Mm -hmm. And then this persona was allowed to interact with Twitter, now X data. And within the next less than 24 hours, this young 20, 12 years old, best of human turned into oh the worst of tyrant that you can oh, think of. Goodness. It went from, you know, humans good, love everybody to humans bad, kill everybody. Exactly. Right? So that's an example of uh -huh. uh, training AI based on bad data Mm -hmm. means teaching bad values means mm -hmm. it turns into that tyrant 
that's mm -hmm. a, that's that's a uh, prime example of why it's important for us to think about this question, uh, what kind of data we are using mm -hmm. to train the AI of the future. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of is a long-winded answer to your question where this all started and and where I am now. Well, it is a perfect answer because it's it really starts now. We have to train them now, right? It's what we feed this um this machine, so to speak, right? It's very fresh. It's very, it's like, it really is this infantile stage. But, you know, it's such a common concept, like, especially with, with again, the movies like Terminator, you know, you plug them into the internet and they see all the images of war and then they just like, oh no, the world is broken. You know, everyone, yeah. the, the earth, humans need to be eradicated. You know, that there's always a common theme. And I can't help but feel that that is somewhat what happened to the 12-year-old, 14-year-old girl, the, 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 the persona that they created. And only being exposed to Twitter, like, what does that say about us? What does that say about society? And part of what... Uh, uh, Part of the things that I fantasize about or what I imagine is like it's the scenario isn't like you get to sit down and you're feeding one simple machine that you're just trying to feed it every day. It it's it's more and all encompassing. People are feeding different data into it. Mm -hmm. It's not just one person. If it were just one person, and then maybe we, you know, we put the Dalai Lama or Buddha in front of that AI, then maybe, right? That maybe, but it isn't that way. So my question is probably like, what are how do we regulate that? How do we keep people from not feeding this into like blowing it up into this kind of like doomsday AI machine, but we can't always control everyone. You know, people are teaching AI to, to develop, you know, like explicit photos. People are teaching AI to, to, you know, the GPT had to regulate itself to not, you know, produce bad answers, but there's always this sinking feeling that, AI is so much more controlled by corporations right now and so many other people. How do you control and regulate the information surrounding being fed and, you know, come up with a more ethical AI? How do we do that? That's a million dollar question, billion dollar question. Billion dollar, trillion billion maybe. Yeah, <laughs> if, if, if we can find the answer to that. Now, um, first, let me say this. It's not that people who are working on AI and creating AI, it's not that they are not thinking values. They are thinking values. Every piece of AI is created on values. But the question is whose values? You use the example of uh, uh, Dalai Lama. Mm -hmm. Is it his values or is it, you know, some other guy's values, some bad guy's values? Mm -hmm. Whenever any new technology comes into market, Mm -hmm. um, even if you think the evolution of internet, go back, you know, first generation, second generation, um, third generation now, always there was a risk. Every new technology gets used in two places first. Yeah. First is your military applications, defense mm -hmm. applications, right? And the second is adult applications. Yep. That's Once technology comes out of that, you know, mm -hmm. that's when we um, start looking into applications in the society at large. Mm -hmm. Now, um, so values. Values are being uh, taken into consideration, um, mm -hmm. but again, whose values? And when you talk about values, there are two issues. One is uh, we all have good values. We are all taught good things, but then we, yeah. we then, then we also find ways to justify bad actions. Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. Right. Um, also, uh, the old uh, old analogy, you know, uh, my hero is your terrorist, and you know, your good guy is my bad guy, your king mm -hmm. and leader is my tyrant. You know that kind of stuff, right? So, what mm -hmm. I think of as good, you may or may not agree with that. Of course, of course. So, how do we how do we then infuse values into that, mm -hmm. into into the evolution of AI? Um, I don't necessarily have the answer to that. Do we need an international body at U United Nations level who uh, comes up with some ethical standards? Do we need some sort of an industry uh, uh, body that comes up with standards mm -hmm. of at least some universal yeah. values? There got to be something, yeah. right? Then, So that's one issue. Then the other issue is that biases that we all have. Every yes. human has a bias. Mm -hmm. And that mm -hmm. those biases, sometimes those are known. You know, mm -hmm. anyone who doesn't look like me is a bad guy. That that has been part of our DNA since forever because that was like back in the cave days. That was mm -hmm. the way we protected our tribe. Absolutely right. Then, so that's the second issue. The third issue is biases that we have in the back of our head. It's not a front. We are not even aware of it. Those are uh, implicit biases. They are built into our system. So there are things that have been done in um, other technologies to avoid some of those biases. For example, mm -hmm. in the hiring process, even in my company, Vestec, we'll talk about it a little bit more later. Mm -hmm. We have a hiring process. When my staff sends me a resume, they mm -hmm. take out anything that identify the person. They take out their uh, name because that tells mm -hmm. me something about that person. It can tell yeah. me about their ethnicity, can tell me about their um, uh, gender, et cetera, mm -hmm. religion. So it takes mm -hmm. that out. Uh, mm -hmm. Then um, uh, when did they get their master's? Uh, when did they finish their education? Yeah. Because about their age. that tells me about their age. Mm -hmm. um, when we look at their experience, we only look at recent X number of years for everybody. Yeah. Because if you That's go, true. you know, one person only goes back five years, other person is going back 20 years, that gives me something about their about their history, right? Yeah. And 20 yeah. years old experience not, is not that much relevant anyway. So all I need is the recent five to 10 years experience. Mm -hmm. So we take steps to take out everything from a mm -hmm. resume that mm -hmm. may um, make me uh, act on my implicit biases that I'm not even aware of. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But biases have impacted our decision-making, humans' decision-making forever. Mm -hmm. In the US, we talk about biases in the healthcare. Doctors mm -hmm. sometimes... Yes. Uh, thinking of, you know, someone's, um, their, their perception of someone's ability to pay, they yes. may pres uh, prescribe to them one medicine or another. Mm -hmm. they, mm -hmm. Based on someone's background, not for scientific reasons, just because mm -hmm. uh, biases and perceptions, they may come up with a diagnosis that may or may not be real. And yeah. it may be based on diagnosis, uh, based on biases. Same thing happens in hiring, I mentioned. Same thing happens in business dealings and many other yes. things, politics. Yes. Now, all of that is part of the data. Yeah. So if you feed that data to AI, your AI is going to inherit those biases from us. Yeah. So what you do, you put in data hygiene processes. You hire somebody who specializes in data hygiene. Their job is to clean, cleanse the data before we feed it to, um, to, to the AI. Then you have um, something called algorithm bias or model bias, right? So you need somebody yeah. who can take uh, care of that part, make sure the algorithm bias is not impacting the decisions that the AI is taking. But it all boils down to, um, I mean, you can easily argue, you could say, you know, who is going to watch the watchman? Exactly. If, if I am in charge of taking care of data bias or algorithm bi uh, model mm -hmm. bias, um, 
or data hygiene, who is to mm -hmm. know that my own implicit biases aren't impacting this? Precisely. So you cannot have one power, you cannot have one individual in a company or in a large uh, organization. Uh, imagine if there was one person responsible for data hygiene in a place like OpenAI, it would be a big mess because you are dependent on that person's ability mm -hmm. to set aside mm -hmm. his own explicit and implicit biases, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So what I'm thinking right now, and this may or may not be the right answer, this is one okay. of the answers, yes. is we need something at probably at global scale, at UN level, yeah. um, somebody, sub-organization, whose job is to set standards, ethical standards. Because mm -hmm. if you leave it to individuals, if you leave it to countries, you cannot avoid biases. Absolutely, especially corporations. That's In a, corporations, that is a, absolutely. Yeah. That is, a, for me, it's like a fear that resonates with me that AI is a little too controlled by corporations right now. And it feels like they are going to dictate the future going forward if there are no regulations in place but like you said it is a billion dollar question who is going to be the body and who is going to be the accountable person or how do you even start doing that and, and, and better yet how do you even stop corporations from trying to control this and getting out of hand making their own you know kind of sentient machine and getting out of hand right and these are all seemingly questions that will evolve through time, hopefully not too fast before we take control of it. But how do we say optimistic? Like, because it feels like there's, of course, fear, right? How do you how make us feel optimistic about the future of AI that it won't go out of control? Good question. <laughs> um, how do we stay optimistic? Let me think about it. I, I just, it's, it's a question to me that, you know, I, I have a particular interest in this kind of field. I'm not, you know, the brightest mind inside all of this, but I do want to hope for a future where it works for us instead of it conquering us, you know? And I guess I want the audience to hear that kind of optimism as well. So what gives me hope Mm -hmm. is that there are lots of people, very smart people, very smart mm -hmm. minds uh, on the planet who are thinking and asking this question. Um, AI is being taught in uh, areas of education and research where you wouldn't even expect. Uh, I heard that AI was being taught in a, uh, in a um, uh, theology school, school mm -hmm. of religion. Oh, wow. What? I, you know, I'm aware that AI is being taught in philosophy classes. I'm aware mm -hmm. that AI is being taught in history classes, in mm -hmm. uh, sociology classes, right? Outside business and technology. Yes. So, and remember, historically, evolution happens when different uh, areas of study and different areas of um, research, when they come together. That's when, yes. that's when evolution happens, right? If you keep yes. research within one area, then mm -hmm. it kind of gets stuck over there. Right now, yes. lots of different disciplines, they are coming together. Yeah. Uh, and, they, and it's a moment of convergence where all these things are coming together, right? Yes. So yes. when I when when I um, uh, go to conferences and seminars on this subject, people sitting next to me, uh, unlike the past, they're not necessarily all people involved in technology or business. Yeah. Th these yeah. people are coming from all walks of life. Wow. Right? And they're attending these conferences and seminars mm -hmm. that historically were 
you know, all, all nerds like myself, right? Now you yes. have yeah. other people sitting next to us who are not from those uh, techno pure technology backgrounds. Mm -hmm. So uh, that gives me hope because sure. people just outside the tech world are thinking, they're asking yeah. questions, Yeah. right? Um, another thing that gives me hope is that we are still at a stage and this stage is not going to last very long. I want to highlight that. We are still in a phase where we can impact uh, the evolution of AI to a degree. We haven't gotten yeah. to a point of no return. We still have the opportunity. Um, what can we do at individual level? At individual yeah. level, inside any organization. In the past, when we made decisions, the decision impacted one person or a small group of people exactly. for a certain length of time. Now, when you make a decision, you have to think, is it going to impact for how Sorry. many years to come? For how many decades to come is it going to impact uh, people and decision making? Because your decisions today is the data for tomorrow for AI training. Wow. I love that. So that puts that. an extra level of responsibility on our shoulders to be mindful mm -hmm. uh, of our biases, to be mindful of our ethics, to be mindful of our, of our morals. Because mm -hmm. you know how it is that parents, um, they, they may use bad language outside, but when they are in front of their children, they speak more clean language. Yes. They yes. they may yes. commit, you know, some immoral things outside, you know, lying or stealing or whatever, but in front of their kids, they're not going to do it. Why? Why? Because we don't want our, as parents, we want our kids to be better than us. We don't want to teach them those values. Of course. So now put that in the, in, in decision-making in organizations where you know that the decision you're making today, it's going to impact our AI children, quote unquote, uh, because that's how this data yeah, is going to be used. So that puts extra uh, responsibility on us uh, decision makers and organizations. I love so that it. gives I love me hope that. that 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 ability for us to uh, make better choices today, because like I said, we haven't reached a point of no return yet. Okay, thank you so much. First of all, I'm going to thank you. Thank you right there for giving us that sense of hope and optimism. We have not reached a point of no return. And really at the end of the day, it feels like, um, trusting humanity, so to speak, like giving hope that humanity, that our kindness will prevail, our ethics will prevail at the end of the day. And this sort of feels like uh, a great transition to, uh, are these what you call your makers, right? This is like, you, you have your book, you call it Makers and the Impacts of Makers on AI Society. Can you talk a little bit about to us a little bit about that, what you talk about in your book and delving into AI infused with human values and what impact do you hope you, that book will have on the tech industry and society at large? Absolutely. Uh, so the question that I started asking, how do we avoid the Terminator-like scenario? And yes. the answer that I received that it's teaching uh, AI the human values. It's it's mm -hmm. the same reason why most of us don't wake up in the morning and plan, you know, global takeover or kill our neighbor or, you know, do bad things. Most yeah. of us, right? Yeah. So I wanted to explore what those values are. Mm -hmm. And that uh, I, I had the good fortune of... Um, uh, meeting Mr. Mark Victor Hansen at one point uh, at one of the events um, we shared at breakfast. Uh, Mr. Mark Victor Hansen, for those who don't know, he's the author of Chicken Soup series of books. For the Soul, uh, yes. It's, it's Chicken Soup for the Soul, right? So there are Chicken mm -hmm. Soup for X. Uh, there are a yes. large number of books. He's an accomplished author and a publisher. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, I asked him the same question, what do we do today to avoid that Terminator-like scenario? And, and that sort of uh, conversation evolved into writing a book, um, sort of uh, with his guidance. The book talks about the values that can be taught and then the interaction between AI uh, and humans. And uh, I don't want to give too much away. It's it's an easy read. It's written in a story format. Uh, so read. It's available on all um, uh, platforms where you can buy books. You know, Amazon, mm -hmm. Barnes and Nobles, everyone else. Mm -hmm. Else, it's current. It's available in audio, uh, Kindle, and hardcover, softcover formats. And currently, it's being translated in different languages. The one interesting point that actually when I was writing the book, it kind of came up is that, yes, values is one thing. The other thing is how we humans behave when we interact with technology. And, and that's already coming up, um, humans behavior. Um, one example, for example, my, my son, who is a seventh grader, I asked him, how does he feel about AI and his exposure mm -hmm. to AI, the first thing was Chat GPT. I asked him, How yeah. does he feel about Chat GPT? He had very strong negative views about AI. Mm -hmm. And in his mind, Chat GPT is AI, right? So he's he's yes, like, I, and he was like really strong wording. He's like, I strongly dislike Chat GPT. And I said, Why is that? Right. Doesn't it help you? He's like, That's the problem. My teachers have started thinking that I use Chat GPT to write my papers. Right. So now right. I am guilty until proven innocent, Precisely. which is the opposite, you know, in, in our mm -hmm. uh, legal system, you are, mm -hmm. you are innocent until innocent proven, until proven, proven guilty. guilty. In this case, yes. he's like, now I have to prove that I wrote the paper myself and not chat GPT. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. So teachers are requiring me to write papers in class. If in the past, it used to be homework. I could work on it at home. Now they're like, nope, sit in the class in front of the teacher so they can make sure that you're not using. So he's like, chat GPT is actually making my life difficult. Wow. So that's one example of how humans react to technology. The mm -hmm. other example is where uh, we had a, uh, in Hollywood, we had writers strike uh, yes, that yes. lasted for many months and impacted mm -hmm. the film industry and the media industry heavily, significantly. Mm -hmm. Not just the writers, but when they're not writing, then basically the whole industry shut down and all related businesses also got impacted. And uh, their issue was, well, Chad GPT is taking our jobs. Yeah. Right. Um, then the next is um, if you look at job postings these days, regardless what type of job post, there is at least a requirement that you have to have some knowledge of using of these tools. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. what I want to highlight is my book talks about human values. Also, it talks about how humans react to AI. Yes. AI is going to react the way it's programmed, at least initially, mm -hmm. until we get to a point where AI becomes self-aware and it starts creating its own rules, which mm -hmm. is not likely to happen for many, many decades to come, despite mm -hmm. that some people are making statements mm -hmm. that AI is already self-aware, but that's not mm -hmm. the mainstream uh, belief. Mm -hmm. I do believe that there's this notion uh, in, the, in the society, a general notion, which I believe is counterproductive, is that AI is my enemy. AI is not your enemy. I'm AI is not going to come steal your job. But mm -hmm. if you don't use uh, and become comfortable with AI power tools, then the guy, the other guy or girl who gets comfortable with it and precisely. learns it, they're going to come after well, your job. Precisely. Precisely. Right? So so instead of hating the technology, mm -hmm. learn the technology. 
Precisely. And it's it's not that difficult. Like, like a lot of these tools are available uh, either at very low cost or no cost. This is, this is I'm talking about people in general, decision makers, yeah. uh, business leaders, CEOs, CTOs. Uh, I looked at the data and there is a very large number, very large, that believes that AI and AI power tools are a competitive advantage. In the mm -hmm. next 10 years, if you don't bring mm -hmm. AI into your business, you're done. You're gone. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Leaders know that. Mm -hmm. But a very small number of people, uh, leaders, that is, they are actually investing in AI tools. Okay. And even those who are, who do claim that they are investing, you ask them, you know, what, what your investment is. It is like, well, we have a training program for our staff. Uh -huh. What is the training program? We're teaching them AI. You ask the staff, what did you learn? Eh, nothing really. You know? Or, so or we learned how to use chat GPT, right? Exactly. So even, just GPT. even those, even a very big company, I came across them. Um, I don't want to name the name, but it's a very, very large company in the aviation mm -hmm. space. Mm -hmm. They have a role now called uh, head of uh, uh, AI advocacy. Okay. Head of AI advocacy. Okay. What does that mean? That it mean? basically means that kind of keep an eye on AI and see what's going on. This is like okay. one of the largest uh, companies in, in aviation. Yeah. Um, so the challenge is large number of leaders understand that it's a competitive advantage. Very mm -hmm. small number of leaders are actually investing in it. Right. And right. many of them who are investing, they are basically investing just as a, just so value. they can say that we are investing and not real investment in it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So my recommendation to uh, the leaders is talk to people who live and breathe this technology. Talk Absolutely. to people who are who are on the forefront of this technology. Talk mm -hmm. to companies like ours that specializes mm -hmm. in this kind of work and it's been doing it mm -hmm. for years. Right. Mm -hmm. At least start looking at your options. Start exploring. And we are not saying you have to you know, switch the whole business model overnight. That's not what we're mm -hmm. saying. We're saying within your existing business models, find out where we can add uh, value by bringing AI into it. Uh, just that last night, it. I was reading uh, a comment from someone who is who is a very well-known figure in the uh, Web3 space. He said that there should be a requirement by the boards of these big companies for immediate 17% increase in, in growth. Wow. And his reasoning for the 17% is that right. even if you don't think too much, just look at your existing processes there. He's like, I guarantee you that there are places in your current processes. There are points where if you bring existing AI tools, you mm -hmm. can improve by about 17% uh, oh, wow. of output. Mm -hmm. Right. So I don't know how much, if it's just a rough, um, uh, most likely this is just a rough figure, a guesstimate. Uh -huh. um, mm -hmm. But I tend to, I tend to agree with that. Mm -hmm. No process mm -hmm. is perfect. Absolutely. Like we've, we've, we've been looking at um, uh, organizational processes for years. Actually, one of yeah. my early uh, jobs uh, at Warner Brothers was just study their processes. I would document their processes and see how it can be improved. So I've been doing it for years. And I guarantee you that the, you can pick any company and look at their processes. And you can find places where you can plug in today, currently available AI tools and improve your efficiency immediately. Fantastic. So that's so that's my advice to leaders. Talk to people who are in the industry, get real information and find those opportunities and implement uh, the changes. I love that this is 
And I'm pretty sure, uh, just to make everyone aware, this is what VESTEP is all about. This is what you guys are pushing. And you are at the forefront of this when people need to talk about, you know, the people that you need to talk to about these things. Um, you, I, I, uh, we're kind of nearing a close on this. I do have one last question. My worry is we're going to run out of time. So I don't want <laughs> I don't have like a, my 40 minutes Zoom. So um, how about we we exit real quick and then go back in the room and then sure. I'll ask that one last question and then we wrap it up. Same link? Yes, same link. Okay, see you then. Right. We just end this so uh, we restart the timer. Okay, I'll okay. see you in a bit. See you in a moment. All right, so here's the thing. We try to get a little bit better every day, but... We can't do it without you. So if you like the video, make sure to like and subscribe below. And if you have any comments, just leave them in the space under.